The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. We're going to get your feedback on a very controversial question, and then I'm going to speak with an ex-trans woman. She'll tell us about some great resources to help your kids. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. Michael Brown, delighted, as always, to be with you. Daily radio, five days a week since 2008, and loving Every minute of it, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. That is the number to call. Bottom of the hour, I'm going to speak with Erin Brewer. She's got some really important information for parents. How do you deal with kids in, in today's world, today's trans activist world? How do you deal with these issues? She herself struggled with transgender issues years ago in her life. So we're going to have a really practical, important conversation about an issue that's affecting our families, people we love, care about in a very real way. But first, we're going to talk about another very controversial subject, but this is where you get to weigh in. I want your take. We're approaching the midterm elections. The consequences of these elections could be very extreme. If you do not approve of the policies of President Biden, if you feel he's leading us in a wrong direction, then having a Republican-controlled Congress would stop him from implementing some of the things he wants to implement that you think are destructive or wrong. On the other hand, if you think he's doing a great job in pointing the country in the right direction, then having a Democratic majority in the Senate to join those in the House would push his agenda forward at much faster speed. Either way, the the consequences are very, very high. Of course, I have my own views. You know, I'm not a fan of President Biden's policies in, in any way, shape, size, or form. But I also know that my hope is not put in a political party. At the same time, I would rather see certain people in office than others as far as politics goes. But here's my big question. Here's my big question, 866-34-TRUTH. Do you personally believe that the 2020 elections were stolen? Or are you convinced that that is just a myth, that that's just propaganda? Do you think they were stolen either by... By padding voting, the 2000 Mules movie, and bringing, bringing in people to, to just keep uh, uh, illegal or, or non-existent votes, making them into votes, right? Do you think that something happened with the voting machines themselves, with the programs on the voting machines? Do you think, no, 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 that's not the issue. The issue was social media censorship. The issue was social media controlling what sites you went to and how that influenced voters. And that's how it was stolen. Or by the media suppressing certain stories like the Hunter Biden laptop story and things like that, that there was an overt attempt to steal the election, to to shift the votes, to change the outcome in an unjust way. Through any of those means that I mentioned, do you believe it was (laughs) stolen? excuse me, stolen? Or do you say, no, no, of course it wasn't stolen. This went to court, if to court, if to court, if to court, and none of the courts, what, it's 60 cases? 
even up to the Supreme Court. And in no situation did they feel there were adequate reasons to overturn the elections. We have a system. It ended up working pretty much in accordance with the polling that we had leading up to the elections. So it wasn't stolen. Do you have an opinion? Have you studied this? Now, I would think that if you believe that in some way there was electoral fraud, especially within the system itself, not just through media censorship or social media censorship or or playing with algorithms and things like that to affect the outcome of the election. But even more, if you thought that the system itself, when you went to cast your vote, that it could be changed or that other votes were counted that were not actual votes and you felt that the outcome of the elections had shifted, that would be a cause of massive concern. This is no longer a free country. This is no longer a democratic republic. If someone can push a few buttons and change the outcome, which could change the direction of the nation, which could change who's in the courts, which could change what's taught in schools, which could change our international policy, which could change our border policy, which can change where we stand with abortion and on and on and on, that would be massively important. Now, you might say, I trust the sovereignty of God. I'm a believer and I trust the sovereignty of God. And maybe he's giving us over to judgment. Maybe he's giving us over to deception. That's another position that you can hold. But if you really believed that you cast your vote and that vote was somehow stolen or not adequately counted or someone's illicit vote was counted against yours, then naturally you would be very concerned about where things are going. Now, we could say that that other races and, and primary races and things like that, they've all seemed to go according to polling. There haven't been uh, changes, shifts that have been that dramatic. But what is your take? Stolen or not? Fraud or not? And why do you hold to what you hold to? 866-348-7884. I polled this on Twitter. I, I just posted it, uh, what, four hours ago. So I posted it late this morning. Do you believe that in any real way, the 2020 presidential election was stolen, either by the intentional censoring of information by the left or by outright voter fraud. And I gave four choices. Yes, for sure. Maybe. No way. And not sure. So we had 359 votes so far in these first few hours. What do you think is the, is the top category? Yes, for sure. 44% didn't just say yes, but yes, for sure. Now, is it because they're being duped? Is it because they're just believing nonsense? Or is it because there really is evidence? Maybe it was 22%. So that is over, well, right at two-thirds, 66% saying yes, for sure, or maybe. And then no way. So only one in four said, no way. Not sure, 10%. So 90% feel either maybe it was stolen, definitely was stolen, or definitely wasn't. Only 10% say, not sure. Very, very interesting. 866-34-TRUTH. Going to go to your comments momentarily. Uh, In fact... I was going to read some on Facebook because I've been polling on Facebook and you're, you're getting polar opposite positions, polar opposite positions. 
I'll tell you my own position, which is not going to be a revelation to those who've listened to me for a while. And it's not going to be anything particularly, oh, wow, amazing. I didn't know that. All right. It's just to give you a heads up. All right. There's not going to be anything dramatic with my position. But I want to hear from from uh, some of you first. Let's start with Rebecca. Uh, Welcome to the line of fire. Thanks for calling. What's your take? Um, Yes, I do believe that um, the vote was tampered with. I think more through um, uh, the media manipulation and the big tech manipulation uh, in determining what news as as a country we received or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I definitely feel like, you know, in the end, um, Biden got more votes than Barack Obama. And I just find that impossible to believe. Uh, and, and it's clear that the media um, and the big tech people have, um, have been Democratic-leaning uh, mm-hmm. consistently for years, and much more so uh, in the past uh, 8 to 10, 12 years. And I just think that was a culmination of, of them manipulating with news and with facts that needed to be brought to light. Got it. So, Rebecca, is there no way in your thinking that there was so much hatred for Trump that that prompted so many people to vote for Biden? Does that does that not seem to be an adequate explanation to you? Well, there were quite a number of haters. I, I was surprised to, um, to hear the venom coming from a lot of them. Um, however, I, I really think, again... Um, if the media and and big tech had not been so manipulative um, with the news, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been so venomous uh, from the other side. I believe uh, at least a few people would have said, "Well, well, you gotta, you know, you you gotta look at it that way too." But there was, there was none of that. Yeah, and Rebecca, thanks for your for your comments. So let, let's put this in a few categories. Donald Trump did enough to have many enemies and to provoke a lot of hatred. There's no question. But many also believed extreme exaggerated reports about him that made him into a monster beyond who he was. And I say this as someone who voted for Trump twice. All right. So that's one thing. But you get biased reporting on both sides, the left and the right. However, what Rebecca's talking about is different. For example, when the New York Post went with the Hunter Biden laptop story, and this is like the fourth largest newspaper in America, I believe, and one of the oldest, it's still running. When they ran that story and posted it on Twitter, Twitter blocked them. They effectively shut the story down and New York Post has to delete. They wouldn't delete. Well, anyway, the media just didn't cover it. Media research did a survey after the elections and found that, what was 17% of the people, it was, it, was a, it was a healthy amount, were unaware of many of these key stories that said they would have voted differently if they had known more about Trump's accomplishments and more about some of the alleged scandals, they would have voted differently, which would have shifted the whole election. Hey, Rebecca, thank you for calling in. Uh, let's go to Dayton, Ohio. Glenn, what is your take? I think uh, much to the same point that your previous caller just made, I think that there was definitely a lot of media manipulation. But if you uh, still stay up on this at all, when Joe Biden shows up in public, there is very few people that show up in support of him. 
And when Donald Trump was in Texas a few weeks ago, they can't get all the people in the building. I know when people when he comes to Ohio, he packs the place out and people still they don't care if it's hot or cold just to be close to the facility and hear him speak. They pack it. And I I just have a terribly difficult time believing that there was so many more overwhelming uh, people because even if you um, take the Christian perspective and the and the uh, hardcore conservative perspective, Donald Trump is only the figurehead of the president. The people around him are what really makes that up. Hey, Glenn, thanks for getting that in before our break. It, it was a puzzle, wasn't it? That Trump would draw these massive crowds by the tiny crowds. You see everywhere these Trump signs and hardly any Biden signs. And the vote was so enthusiastic for Biden. That is a puzzle, isn't it? All right, we'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. Hey, you are in your own Line of Fire, in the workplace, in your communities and campuses, Wherever God has you living, working, serving, ministering, learning, you're on the front lines. You're on the line of fire. We're here to equip you. We're here to give you an arsenal of holy weapons, of weapons of truth, of weapons of righteousness, of weapons of grace, of biblically based resources that can help you, whether you're sharing the good news with a Jewish person, whether you're being challenged about what you actually believe, whether you're asked to give input on moral and cultural issues. We want to put a resource right in your hands, as in in your cell phone hands. Download the app, of course, on your tablet as well. Download the Ask Dr. Brown Ministries app, ASK DR Brown Ministries on Apple or on Android. We'd love to see these out there by the millions, ultimately. Download it. Of course, it's free. You can just click to listen to the broadcast daily. You can click to listen to past broadcasts. You can check our latest articles. You can check by category. You can check our Jewish outreach website or consider this videos. Tons of resources, talks with scholars, all these different things right there. So download it today. As soon as you have a break, ASK DR Brown, Ask Dr. Brown Ministries, and then tell a friend. By the way, on Android, there's an old one that just says Ask Dr. Brown. Not that. You want Ask Dr. Brown Ministries. Tell a friend. Share the word. If you enjoy it, give it a good rating. All right. Waiting for your comments about the elections. I'll I'll give you my own view in a moment. An anonymous caller from North Carolina. Welcome to the line of fire. Uh, Anonymous. Hi. Good uh, good afternoon, brother. And thank you so much for for what you do. Uh, Oh, my. Definitely, definitely was stolen. Um, um, as far as, and, and then seeing Hillary Clinton, I mean, I just, I know that I'm supposed to pray for my enemies in the Lord's Prayer, you know, forgive them the trespasses as we forgive me our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But good gracious, it's just, to me, it's... Well, what, what, what do you think... On. What's the biggest reason that you think the election was stolen? Uh, because, he, because, like, well, there's more people that showed up as far as is interested in Donald Trump, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and especially 
saw all the good that he did versus um, uh, Biden's uh, past record, his work experience, or, you know, his, his uh, yeah, that was just, it's, right, so me, just- it, it was. And how could they take down the country, you know, as fast as they have or tried to if, if uh, Donald Trump had been elected? All right, so it, in, in your view, then, it's so crystal clear that the enthusiasm was for Trump, that Biden's policies would fail, that there just wouldn't that be that many people that would get behind it. Obviously, the people that opposed Trump's policies and, and thought Biden's record was good, obviously very different perspectives be, it, between different groups in our country. But thanks. Thanks for weighing in. Uh, I'm, I'm not pushing a position here, as you'll see in a moment. I just was interested to know what you thought how you felt, had a conversation with someone about this yesterday. So just just interested to know. Uh, Yolanda in Florida, welcome to the line of fire. What's your take? Hi, Dr. Brown. Thank you. Um, well, I, I, I'm a Trump supporter. I actually voted for Donald Trump, and I also worked on the Black Forces for Trump campaign. Mm. I had, a, had the opportunity to participate. But we also had been praying for the president, and I knew Donald Trump wasn't going to win because the Lord showed me he wasn't going to win. I didn't share it till later with my pastor, but um, we had been praying for Donald Trump, and um, I really heard, who do you all want, Trump or me? And what I saw was the body. A lot of people had, not us, a lot of people had made him an idol. I do believe there was something interesting going on with the election, but I believe God allowed it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's my big one. I believe God allowed it. But I do think something interesting was going on because he allowed it, because they had made Trump an idol. A lot of wow. people were going around saying, if Trump don't win, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, that is going to happen. And the Lord wasn't going to allow that. And so I believe he put Biden in office for the purpose of bringing others to repentance, especially the body. And he also showed me something about the Biden administration. Um, I heard you talk about the, the trans children um, yeah. four years ago. The Lord gave me uh, a dream, and um, he showed me that this administration was coming after the children, but because the church was complacent in it, they did it. Mm. It was a huge demon, and he was coming after the children, and he was, let me just make sure I say this correctly, Satan is a counterfeiter. He cannot create. He can only um, counterfeit. So God has children. And so enemy wants children, so he's going to create his own children, and the church allowed it, and they needed to repent for allowing this administration because they were coming for the children. And so I just wanted to share that. I do believe you won, but I know God allowed it. Yeah, yeah, Yolanda, um, that is really interesting to hear in terms of your perspective. I'm going to take one more call, and then I'm going to share my perspective. So you'll, you'll definitely want to be listening. But... Uh, I want our call screener to get your address. I want to send you copies of two recent books of mine, The Political Seduction of the Church and The Silencing of the Lambs. You will find your positions to be very, very much in harmony with some things that I've been saying. So The Political Seduction of the Church and The Silencing of the Lambs. I want to send those two books to you as a gift. You'll, You'll know why. When you get them, if you already have either of them, feel free to give one away. But our call screener will get on with you now. Get your address, and I want to send you those two books as a gift. 
All right, uh, let's take one more call. We go to Julius in Raleigh, North Carolina. Sir, what's your take? Man, listen, I listen to your show constantly, Dr. Brown. And my issue is I cannot understand why people still believe that the election was stolen. Um, Donald Trump is the reason uh, that he's, he's put all these intricacies in people's minds that the election was stolen. He's a ty- His character is such that he doesn't believe he can lose anything. He's destroying our democracy. If people keep believing that, we're not going to have a democracy. And I'm, I'm really shocked. I voted for him the first time. But he is so depraved, man. And and the way he was brought up, he, you know, he had all the riches. He never had to uh, want for anything. He didn't. Barr, even Barr told him that was bull. That, that, yeah. that, 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 that. You see what I'm saying? I just can't understand why people cannot think on their own and not be influenced with such a depraved man as Donald Trump. So, so Julius, day, yeah, j- just, just super quick, I apologize for interrupting, but I want to make sure I get this in. You voted for him the first time. What was the main reason you didn't vote for him a second time? Because he's depraved. He's a liar. He, li- he, he just lies all the time. Donald Trump, he did some good things, but he's just a liar, man. I'm a Christian, man. You know, I, I'm not saying Got I'm it. perfect. But my God, my God, man, come on. Even you know that, Doc. God, You're hey. You're a good person. I enjoy your show, your show, but man, come on. You, hey, you got to have some kind of character. Man. No, listen, I, I understand. Yeah. My, 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 vote, my wife did what you did. She voted for him the first time with, with tremendous reluctance, but voted for him the first time, absolutely not wanting Hillary Clinton in, but couldn't vote for him the second time. So very just so the most, the closest person to me in this world, uh, Julius, Voted for the first time and not the second time as as you. Hey, thank you, sir, for being a faithful listener. Okay, so let me let me share some perspective, and and I'm I'm so agreeing with some of these calls. You say, wait, 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 they're opposite sides. Okay, so uh, a couple things, and and thank you, thank you all for calling in. So I I got to jump in here because I got a guest in a few minutes. I just want to say a few things. Number one, I agree with Yolanda that the church put Trump on a pedestal, look to him in an unhealthy way, only he can do, if he's not in, everything crumbles. That is an unhealthy way to look at things and an unrealistic way to look at things. And as Julius reminded us, we're still dealing with a very flawed flesh of the human being. I personally believe that if the church did not look to Trump in such an idolatrous way, and if he had just become more of a decent human being, he'd be our president right now for the good of America. That's what I personally believe. That's number one. Number two, whether or not the election was stolen, I have never studied it. My friend, Dr. Jim Beverly, who is a careful research scholar and was not a Trump, Trump's the man, he's Canadian, anyway. Um, he studied it intensely, spent, I don't know how many hundreds of hours and believed that there was fraud. I don't know because I never studied it. I never felt called to. My position was we have prayed and prayed and prayed like crazy for the outcome, right? And as Yolanda said, this is the outcome God gave us. I don't think he just allowed it. I believe it's the outcome he gave us, all right? Whether it's judgment on us, giving us Joe Biden and the current administration, whatever his purposes were, I also believed that if there was fraud, that ultimately would come up in the courts. However, I don't 
No, because I haven't studied the issue on either side. And I know thinking people have and have come to very, very different conclusions. But for sure, we prayed earnestly for the outcome. We prayed earnestly for God's will to be done. And this is what we ended up with. So we pray for our president. We pray for Joe Biden. We pray for Donald Trump and others. We pray for God's best in their lives, that God would deeply, truly, wonderfully save them and work in their lives in powerful ways. If they know the Lord on any level, let he take them deeper. We pray that for other elected officials, those we like and those we don't like. But right now, we trust that God has given us, whether it's what we deserve or what, here we are. Do I believe that 2022 will be fair? I I believe it. But my wife Nancy said the same thing Julia said, that Donald Trump put it in our heads many months before. The only way he could lose was by fraud. That part was set up in our thinking as well. May truth triumph. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I am holding in my hand a book, Parenting in a Transgender World, a handbook by Aaron Brewer, PhD. Here's what the mother of a child who identifies as transgender says on the back of the book. Dr. Brewer writes with compassion using easy-to-understand language, a must-read. Our situation might be totally different had this book been available when our family was unwillingly dragged into this ideology. Definitely worth sharing with parents. Friends, this has become one of the great critical issues of our day, affecting our most prized treasure, namely our children. So, Erin, great to have you back on the line of fire. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So, Erin, aside from your own life experience that we've talked about previously, where you struggle with transgender identity earlier on, what have you done on the educational front that ties in with some of these studies? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I have been interviewing uh, detransitioners, therapists, teachers, and parents who have all been dragged into the transgender ideology just to get as much information as possible on how to help families defend themselves from this incredibly dangerous and harmful ideology. And, and uh, what's your PhD in, by the way? It's uh, actually an instructional technology and learning science. So it's through the College of Education at Utah State University. Um, and you wouldn't think that, that it would have a lot to do with this, but actually I studied pedagogy and how, how yeah. children learn. And so it gave me a good foundation to see how incredibly powerful this ideology is at indoctrinating our children. Yeah, exactly. And that was the, the interface that I was curious ab- about. All right. So, so first, let's just talk about how pervasive this is, why we're even talking about this issue today. What's happening in the world today? What are you hearing from parents? How far reaching is this in terms of impacting the thinking of this younger generation? Well, I would say that every single child is being impacted this, by this, and that's even even children who are in Christian families and being homeschooled. Um, I've had reports from families who have homeschooled their kids, and they took their child to some kind of um, an extracurricular activity where their child was indoctrinated. So this is really leaving no child untouched. 
every single child in public schools being indoctrinated. I haven't heard of any school where this isn't where this ideology hasn't been introduced. And increasingly, it's being introduced as you know preschool age. We even have uh, cartoons like Blue's Clues, which are targeted at very young children who are pushing this gender ideology on, uh, into families. So it's it's almost impossible to avoid it. And that's one of the reasons that I decided to write this book is that I realized that parents have to arm themselves or else their kids are going to be vulnerable. Yeah, Erin, I, I was thrilled when I saw it because we get bombarded with questions. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We've right. been shouting out warnings for many years that this was coming. Now that it's here, I mean, it's been in the schools for, for some years, just an increasing measure now, and parents are just finding out about it. Share some horror stories. What, what are some of the real-life cases, people that you've, you've talked to, be it parents, be it children, be it detransitioners? What are you hearing? Oh, gosh, there are so many horror stories, and it is just heartbreaking. Um, I think the most powerful stories are from detransitioners, who have gone through incredibly invasive procedures, such as having their breasts removed, their genitals removed, taking toxic puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, and realizing that none of none of those interventions help solve the underlying issues that caused them to take on the trans identity in the first place, and in fact made them worse. So these are kids often who had sexual assault, sexual trauma, who had some other kind of underlying issue and they were not addressing that issue. Instead, they were being told that they were transgender, and they believed it, went all the way down um, the pathway towards, you know, becoming as, as much of the opposite sex as they possibly could, and then realized that it was a huge mistake. And these are, these are um, often young adults who are left with complete sexual dysfunction. They're infertile. They have lifelong medical problems. Um, many of them feel like they're, they are going to die um, decades younger than they would have otherwise because of all the damage done. And then the parents are watching this. Um, oftentimes we have parents who are watching their kids go through these interventions and they're just devastated. I think the most heartbreaking story of all is that um, of Abigail Martinez in California. And she had a daughter who identified as transgender. Abigail did not affirm her daughter. And the state of California removed her daughter from her home and put her in foster care because they deemed her not affirming her child's trans identity as abuse. The daughter started on testosterone, became suicidal, jumped in front of a train, and died. And I can't think of anything <laughs> more um, horrific for a parent to have to endure than to have the state agency come and remove their child, and then to find out their child has committed suicide because of the interventions the state provided. It's, it's mind-boggling. I, I mean, if... If, if we talked about this years ago, everyone would say we're crazy. This could never happen in America. There are people listening right now saying, no, no, this never happened. This couldn't happen. It, it, it has happened. These horrors, these, right, it is happening. These horror stories are real. And there, there are some lawmakers that really want to make this the law of the land. That if, right. If you're, we're you're, increasingly hearing, um, I think it's in Virginia, um, there's a lawmaker who's introduced legislation that would make it a federal crime for parents not to accept their child's transgender identity. Um, these are, you know, this would become a felony. Right, and the kid would then be taken from mm -hmm. the parents, and then California has said, hey, we're a sanctuary state. If the kid can right. make it here, and the parents aren't affirming it, then come here for the surgery. Or, oh, All right, so people have referred to this as chemical castration, general 
genital mutilation. You just give us a, a, an absolutely tragic real life story that'll never go away this this mother will never have her child back this child will never have her life back this this is not so that you can fix okay this this right. happened people have referred to this as 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 the worst medical malpractice of all time a massive human rights violation i, I mean it it's mind-boggling that this has been allowed to happen and is being encouraged and that our current administration is pushing for it Oh, yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable to me that the Biden administration has decided to take this on and to promote it to such an extent that he has. I mean, it's just, it's unconscionable and um, it's an indication of just how unhinged um, this ideology is. And and I think a big part of it is that Big Pharma is making so much money that any um, lawmaker who's willing to, you know, get some of those profits and, you know, in form of, you know, donations to their campaign or some other way um, are willing to support it at the at the great cost of our children. And as you mentioned, once children go down this pathway, you know, they can detransition if they if they survive it, they can detransition, but they're they're permanently damaged. And so I'm hoping to help parents to figure out ways to stop their children from ever getting caught up in this ideology, because once a child is in it, um, there's going to be lifelong trauma. There's going to be lifelong damage. Even if the child doesn't medically transition, just that um, that encouragement to dissociate from who they are and become somebody else is going to disrupt their normal development. Yeah. Uh, friends, the book Parenting in a Transgender World, a handbook. Uh, I want to get into some of the contents of this in a moment, but check it out, friends, parents, educators, young people as well want to get educated. Erin Brewer is the author of this important book. She's got other resources as well, but this is the one that that I really wanted to focus on. One more thing before we start to get into your book. Uh, Kelly Nugent, the world knows as Scott, but Kelly Nugent opened shouting at the top of her lungs against Mm -hmm. the transitioning of children as someone who, quote, transitioned as an adult and will get up and say, and and here she stands with, with with a goatee and and, and looking like a man, saying, I'm a woman, I'm a mother, but there's no way back for, for her in, in terms of where mm-hmm. she's gone. And, and she's screaming at the top of her lungs about this. So not only has she said that greed is driving this, uh, and because now you have a lifelong, excuse me, a lifelong customer, right? So the, it's hormones for life, it's pills for life, it's medical treatments for life. And people see money, and, and the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But Kelly has told me, that she's talked to hundreds of people that, quote, transition, and only a couple of them really claim to be happy and satisfied years later. We're told, I mean, it's wonderful, it's going to save your kid's life, it's either this or suicide, and there's so many great stories, and we see some of the people on TV, and you're a trans model, and you're a trans this and that, and it's celebrated. In your own research, and just be dead honest with me, do you find a lot of people that transition years down the line are happy and satisfied with what they've done? I think that the key to that question is years down the line, because what a lot of people don't understand is that um, girls and young women, and actually pretty much any woman who takes testosterone, is going to initially feel really good. Um, They're going to get a boost. Testosterone is a controlled substance because... It, it, it has the potential for addiction. It has, the, you know, it's, it's very much like other controlled substances where you start taking it and you feel this sense of euphoria initially. Um, girls who are struggling with depression or anxiety are going to feel better initially. 
But over the long term, that testosterone is going to do um, irreversible harm to to their bodies. And so oftentimes what we're hearing is girls who have just started taking testosterone talk about how it saved their lives, how they feel so much better. We're not hearing from um, women like Kelly, who's been so brave to share her story and speak out and talk about how much damage has been done to her body by these interventions. We're not hearing those stories. Those stories are silent. Oftentimes, once a, a, a girl or young woman, um, a man or a boy, decides this was the wrong pathway for them, and they decide to detransition, they are ostracized by their community, and they're silenced by our social media platforms. It's very hard for, pe- for detransitioners to get their stories out there. So initially, oftentimes, these kids do feel better, but we don't give kids alcohol or heroin or other um, dangerous drugs in order to make them feel better in the short term. We help them to identify the source of their anxiety, the source of their depression, and help them resolve it so that they're much more functional as adults. Yeah, and remarkably, remarkably, uh, a major doctor involved with setting up the, the guidelines for kids transitioning has said, yeah, we acknowledge that there are all these problems and they really can't give informed consent now and later they realize they can't have a kid or it's hard to adopt. And But hey, we want to keep them happier for the moment. All right, <laughs> madness, friends, madness. The book, Parenting in a Transgender World, this could be one of the most important books you read as a parent by Aaron Brewer. I want to come back, get into some of the contents of this book with Aaron Brewer. Stay right here. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, there really isn't a lot of salt on your kids to indoctrinate them, to brainwash them, to plant ideas in the minds of impressionable little children that they never would have come up with on their own, to tell them that the struggles they're going through emotionally or dealing with changes in their body is due to them being trans and then they make terrible lifelong choices and the parents think they're helping do the right thing. It is something we have never, ever seen in the history of our nation, but it's upon us. I'm speaking with Erin Brewer. She has written the book, Parenting in a Transgender World. So Erin, how will your book help parents? Take me through what you do in the book. Well, I'm hoping that it will help parents in a couple of ways. Um, it starts out with a lot of information, just general information that, that people need to have about the transgender ideology and transgender activism, giving them a, a vocabulary, because oftentimes parents um, hear words that their kids are speaking about, and you know there are generation gaps, and, and parents may not understand that these terms that their kids are using are an indication that they are being preyed upon. By, uh, by people in the transgender ideology and that it's an important time to um, really swoop in and intervene if their kids start using these term- terms. So, so providing a nice overview of, of the language for parents and then um, explaining to them the different kinds of, of people who fall under the transgender umbrella. 
oftentimes uh, there's sort of this, this cultural narrative that a trans kid is a child who's born in the wrong body, and that's who we're talking about when we talk about the transgender people. And in fact, there's a whole slew of people that fall under that umbrella, including predators who are impersonating women in order to gain access to vulnerable children, who are often grooming children into this um, ideology. We hear uh, predators talk about cracking eggs, which is a term that they use to um, to indicate that there's a, a trans activist who's who's targeting a child and hoping to convert them to this ideology. So, so providing parents with, you know, a, a, a kind of an overview of what this ideology is, and then providing them with some um, very clear techniques for uh, helping their family to resist this ideology. And it starts, I suggest it starts, you know, as soon as a child is, you know, getting books read to them, as soon as they're going to Sunday school, as soon as they're starting to watch TV programs, um, that that's, that's when parents need to start talking to them about this ideology and employing some of these techniques. Um, oftentimes, I hear from parents say, oh, I don't want to talk about this um, unless my child brings it up because they're very uncomfortable with it. But once your child brings it up, it might be too late. And so there are there's a lot of uh, suggestions in there, very gentle ways to help your child become grounded in reality and, and, and to, to be able to repel this ideology. And you can start that again as you know, young as toddlers and, and continue that until they're, they're grown up and out of the house. All right. So, so Aaron, let's just say uh, uh, there's a boy that's five years old and he's, you know, mommy, I'm a girl, you know, whatever he's saying, however he's expressing himself, whatever the language he has, but he's, mm-hmm. he's expressing a conflict or he's embarrassed about his private parts. He's seven years old. You know, what, whatever it is, he's, he's somehow identifying as trans. Wherever he got it from, he's identifying. Right. Uh, do, you, do you help parents deal with this now? Okay, he's, he's already taken these steps. He's already believing this, and he seems to be happiest when he's wearing a dress and, you know, all, all the standard stories that we hear. Uh, how do you help parents there? Is, is it in your book as well? Well, there's actually another book that I would recommend for parents whose children have adopted a transgender ideology, and that's Maria Kessler's Desist, Trans and Detox. And she talks um, much more specifically for parents whose kids have already adopted this ideology. But when you're talking about a very young child like that, there's, I believe all the techniques that are in my book will help those parents because that's a child who's still, you know, that, that's a big difference between a you know, five, six, seven-year-old and a teenager. So at five or six or seven, I think it's really easy for parents to, first of all, identify what the influence is on that child and remove them from that influence. And then start to employ some of these techniques. You know, bring out the family albums. Talk about, you know, the trips that the child has been on. Show him when he was with the family. Connect him really carefully, you know, closely with the family unit. And then very specifically talk about the fact that there are all kinds of ways to be a boy and that he is a boy, be very clear about it. Don't ever, you know, don't ever waffle on it. Always be very clear that you're a boy who's comfortable playing with dolls, or you're a boy who's, who likes pink, and that's okay. But never accept the, the premise that that child is actually a girl, because that's just not true. And as soon as the child starts to hear that affirmation that they could potentially be a girl born in a boy's body, then they're likely to persist with this um, ideology. And what's the name of that other book, Erin? 
It is Maria Kessler, and it's a it's a book specifically, and I would say geared primarily for uh, parents who have either teens or adults. It's called Desist Detox or Desist Detrans Detox, Getting Your Child Out of the Gender Cult. Excellent. And I think you know she talks about it being a cult. I think that it's really important for parents to understand that this is a cult, and many of the techniques that are used to pull kids out of cults are what we um, recommend parents employ because this is this is a cult. And so um, she's done a really good job to address these issues for parents who have kids who have, you know are claiming that trans identity and very adamant about it to help them um, you know pull their kids back. Excellent, excellent. And, and you've been involved in some activist causes as well, actually showing up at different places and bringing a counter-narrative. But what are you seeing in California or other places? Well, it's... It's um, a little bit, in some ways, um, I have, you know, been seeing some really positive signs, and in some ways, I'm just horrified by what I'm seeing. So, So when I go, you know, when I'm out on the ground, when I'm talking to people, it seems like the vast majority of people um, understand that this this is just um, a very dangerous ideology and that it's harmful to kids. Um, I go speak at legislative hearings and talk about the fact that that we need to ban these interventions, that children should never be given the impression that they're born in the wrong body and that the, that the only way that they're going to survive is to become somebody else. Um, we've had some successes in legislative efforts to prevent um, children from transitioning. We've seen that in Tennessee and Alabama and a couple other places. Um, we've seen some legislation passed to prevent males from participating in women's sports. And so there's some really positive signs. There's also um, just seeing what the Biden administration is doing. They are systematically... Um, indoctrinating um, our entire uh, country into this ideology with policies. And it's just shocking to me how how widespread those policies are, um, just taking away the whole concept of there being um, sex-based differences and that we need to protect the rights of girls and women. And um, really, as we saw with his appointment of Richard Levine, who pretends to be a woman, and... and um, this, this is the assistant um, secretary of health, I yep. believe, yep. and he he is he is he's telling people that these are life saving interventions, and that's a lie. And so it's really concerning to me to see um, our government pushing this these lies so powerfully and and with so much force. And so I guess that um, there's there's almost come to a point where it's becoming so absurd. I don't know how many of your listeners saw that there recently. Um, President Biden held a sort of a, a conference with young influencers, in the, and, and he had someone named Dylan Mulvaney there, who is yep. a man who is pretending to be a girl, um, and really a sexualized, fetishized version of girlhood is what he's portraying. And, you know, Biden basically said that in order to push this um, acceptance of, of this, uh, what I would call a fetish, is uh, women just need to be around more men like Dylan Mulvaney, um, basically suggesting that we need more exposure to these fetishistic males. Um, So I find that really discouraging. On the other hand, I'm seeing um, uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida doing some amazing things. He's really standing up strongly and saying, we need to protect children. And in fact, there's going to be a legislative hearing on Friday where they're going to hopefully... Um, stop all medical transitioning of children in Florida. And I'm so grateful for efforts like that. So 
So I would say there's some there's some definite um, wonderful things happening, and there's also some things that are very concerning. Yeah, it, it, the the positive with the negative is that the negative is so bizarre and so mm-hmm. extreme and so over the top, just like the rise of drag queens and all. It's like, what? Wait, what? What's happening? So yeah. that you have a lot of people that didn't believe us or that were on the sidelines now thinking, what in the world is going on? I, I mean, it, it almost becomes comic, if not from my heart breaking for some of the people involved. It almost becomes comic, like you've got to be kidding me. But that's the reality. Aaron, uh, I, I know you're full of enthusiasm and faith, but these are tiring, difficult tasks. And sometimes it can be maddening and frustrating so friends pray for erin brewer she's on the front lines and get this book what 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 do they say about a little prevention compared to a whole lot of cure so get on top of things parenting in a transgender world erin is there a website people can go to before we're done yes um my uh, maria kepler and i have a website it's advocates protecting children.org and um this is sort of we haven't announced this uh widely yet, but we have a new person joining us soon, and that's Dr. Michelle Curtella, who's going to be joining our team oh, really? at Advocates, so we're super excited about that. Excellent. Um, we have lots of, re- yeah, lots of resources. We're doing everything we can to protect our children. All right, advocatesprotectingchildren.org. Erin, we're standing together with you. We believe the tide will turn. God bless, friends. Thanks for joining us. Be back with you tomorrow. A thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Another program powered by the Truth Network.